We're going to read John 11 together. It's the seventh of what John calls miraculous signs. They are these signs that point to Jesus' identity and divinity. In the, at the end of the book of John, in John chapter 20, he says, These are written. He said, Jesus did many other miraculous signs, but I've recorded these seven for you, that number of wholeness and completeness. I've, rec- I've recorded these for you so that you might believe and know that Jesus is the Christ, and that by believing, you might have life in his name. And so as we've walked through these miracles of Jesus, I I hope that you have seen who Jesus is and you've been compelled to follow him more closely. We're going to look at John chapter 11, and and as we do, I want to ask you, have you ever watched a television show? Did you ever just get into the narrative of a television show that it it just drew you in, you couldn't wait to to get home and to watch it, or maybe you binged it, and maybe there's multiple seasons, and you can't wait for the next one to come out. Every show has a life cycle. You know, at some point, the writers just kind of run out of things to write about. Uh, I, I was joking around about this series called The Walking Dead. It's, I don't know how many seasons they've done, but it's about zombies, And it's like, how many seasons can you do about undead people walking around and and terrorizing everyone? But it made money. And so they continue to write more and more and more seasons. I never watched the show. I know maybe some of you did. Uh, But I've watched a few shows where I was into it, season one. Season two was really good. By about season three, I was thinking, man, we need to wrap this thing up. But they make money. And so they continue to churn out new seasons. And this happened in the 70s with a show that I think you are, are, might be familiar with. It's called Happy Days. Say, Pastor, how in one sermon can you mention The Walking Dead and Happy Days? Well, I'll find a way. But it's called Happy Days, and it was wildly successful. Opie Taylor grew up, uh, and uh, he was one of the, Ronnie Howard, you know, was one of the main characters there in Happy Days. And, uh, of course, the Fonz was a character there in Happy Days were very successful, and they did several seasons. And at some point, they just, they just ran out of things to write about. You know, life as a teenager in the 50s, uh, they sort of exhausted all the, the things that could happen. And uh, at some point, towards one of the last shows, Fonzie is water skiing somewhere. And uh, somewhere in the, in the course of Fonzie water skiing, he does something only Fonz can do. A shark comes and is chasing him or is involved somehow, and Fonzie jumps the shark. Uh, Again, only Fonzie can jump the shark. But now we have a phrase to describe what happens when writers run out of things to write about, and they continue to churn out shows, and they do something so unbelievable, you're like, yeah, they really jumped the shark on that one. So you're going to get to the end. This is the seventh of John's miraculous signs, and, and, and... there's just some amazing things that have happened. Jesus has changed water into wine. He's healed an official son. He's multiplied the bread and the fish, and he's fed 5,000 people, and he's walked on water, and he healed someone born blind. And what we're about to read in John 11, can you imagine the early recipients of this story? Can you imagine them reading this and saying, oh, no way. There's no way that happened. That's so fantastic. That's so unbelievable. 
I can't even wrap my mind or wrap my head around. There's no way that happened. And the eyewitnesses to the gospel of Jesus Christ said, oh no, it happened and it changed my life. And if you put your faith and your trust in Jesus, it can change your life too. This is not John jumping the shark. This is John telling you who Jesus is. And so I want to do something that the first recipients of the gospel would have done. They wouldn't have had it on a screen, and they, they actually would not have been able to read it either. They would have gathered for worship, and they would have heard someone read the story. And so if you have your Bible, you can read along with me. But I'm going to read John 11 in its entirety. And I want you to see the seventh miraculous sign and, and hear just how amazing Jesus is. John 11, verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son might be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days, and then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death. But his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, also, called, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. Thank you, Thomas, for that encouraging word. On his arrival... Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again at the resurrection of the last day. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into 
the world. After she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Jesus reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not the one who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? And Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I, know, I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here and sitting here and gathered here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with the strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. This is the, the final miraculous sign that Jesus does. And all of these are pointing to his divinity. All of them are pointing to his identity as the Son of God and the one who is accomplishing the mission of God in the world. Jesus saves the best for last. He raises a man from the dead. We have this detail that he was dead for four days. It was thought that the spirit of a person might reside around the body for a day or two, but after three, the person was officially dead. That's going to be significant for next week's story, by the way. But John says four days. He was in the tomb four days. And so clearly, Lazarus is dead. He's not coming back. And Jesus goes into that situation of grief, into that situation of loss. And the one proclaimed in John chapter 1 is the light of the world. He brings light into that darkness. John said in, in chapter 1, verse 5, he is the light and the light of life. When light enters into the darkness, it brings life. And so Jesus, the light and the life, brings those things into this story and the real focal point of the story, and what we want to emphasize today, is verse 25, where he's having this conversation with Martha, who's grieving the loss of her brother. And he says very clearly to her, I am the resurrection and the life. 
How do we partake of this light and life? Jesus says, the one who believes in me, the one who puts their trust in me will live and will never die. Do you believe this? And friends, that is the confession of our faith. That is why we're gathered here today, because we believe that Jesus' presence brings light and life, and people are transformed everywhere the presence of Jesus enters into that situation. And so today we're talking about the GO initiative. The GO initiative is a a, a series of ministries um, that we do every year that takes the message of Jesus outside the walls of the church and into our local community and around the world. I'm excited today to share with you what we want to do in this community, what we feel like God is calling us to do, and how God is taking our influence and our resources as a local church and literally spreading them all over the world to bring light and life to dark and dying places. And so we highlight that every year in, what we're, in the Go Sunday, and that's today. And in a moment, you're going to have the chance to partner with these ministries. You're going to have a chance to participate financially and, and to support them. And, and so we, we are excited to, to share this with you as, as we talk about what God is doing around the world. The centerpiece of the Go Initiative is uh, our participation in what's called the World Evangelism Fund. Um, and also I want to share with you sort of a, a visual that helps you understand what the Go Initiative is all about. Uh, now, not too long ago, I was driving around and I got lost. And that's pretty common for me. And I had to do something. I had to get my phone out and I had to pull up a map and I held down a little point on the map and a wayfinder little icon just dropped down on the restaurant that I wanted to go to. Wish I could tell you I was going somewhere important, but no, I was trying to find a restaurant. So it drops down there on the map, and with a few taps, this magical device that I carry around in my pocket was navigating me to my destination. And so when you think about the GO initiative, it is something local. It is th- it's things that we're doing in our backyard to make a difference uh, for Jesus. Just as this story that we read happened in Bethany with Mary and Martha, a very specific person named Lazarus, Jesus enters down into those particularities of life and makes a difference. That's the same of of our ministries in this community. Touches real people, our neighbors and our friends. But also, what Jesus does here in John 11, has a global impact. What Jesus does on a local level, what Jesus does on a local level also is expanded uh, around the world. And so you see there in the Wayfinder, there's a point where we're doing ministry, but it also captures ministry that we're doing around the world. And so the centerpiece of this is something called the World Evangelism Fund. It's through the International Church of the Nazarene, and we participate in this And it sends missionaries all over the world. We have 300 missionaries uh, that are advancing the mission of God in 163 different world areas. (laughs) Shareholders is going to come up in in June. And and I always make this joke. And and I go up on the square and the Bentonville Convention Bureau. They want to welcome all the people where Walmart has a presence. And so I think there's like 
27 flags out on the square or something like that. And I always walk by that and I'm like, that's a nice start. Um, you know, maybe they'll catch up with my company someday. Um, I mean, not bad for a little startup in the South. Um, one, day, one day they'll catch up with us. We're in 163 world areas, and these missionaries in 163 world areas, they're on the front lines, of course, of church planning, but also compassionate ministry, liberal arts education, doing hunger relief, uh, health care. It's an amazing uh, platform for ministry, and it takes the little investment that we make and together with other Nazarene churches, uh, is able to do these kinds of things. Uh, my wife, Lauren, works for Nazarene Compassionate Ministries, and recently she was on a trip to the Middle East, and she was there to resource some pastors and to do some training. Um, but in the midst of that, she was able to see what God is doing in the country of Lebanon. And so I've asked her to share a little bit about that trip and what she saw God doing um, through the World Evangelism Fund. And so would you welcome Lauren as she shares with us? Hello. As Mark said, I'm Lauren. I'm his wife. And I work for Nazarene Compassionate Ministries as their international program coordinator. A little bit about NCM is that we uh, resource churches through training, small grants, um, also establishing child development centers like the one that we partner with in the Dominican Republic. Um, we help churches prepare and then also um, respond to humanitarian disasters. And then we also just help churches in any other ways that they see, um, in areas where they see the community is in need. And so for the past week and a half, I've had the privilege of visiting with Nazarene leaders in the Middle East, where the Church of the Nazarene has actually had a presence for 100 years. So it's kind of cool to think that right about the time that our church was starting 100 years ago, the work in the Middle East was also being started through Armenian refugees fleeing a genocide. So I was there to lead workshops um, and just visit different church projects in a variety of countries. And while I was there to teach and facilitate, while I was trying to help other people learn, I actually learned a lot. I learned that God is alive and active in all of uh, our Nazarene churches across the Middle East. He's helping people transform communities. Um, I heard story after story of churches responding to the refugee crisis in this area. They're reaching out to refugees, to widows, to those who have lost their fathers and mothers and the outcasts. And he's, he's empowering them to show them Christ's love and to meet their very real basic needs. Um, I'm not able to share with you all the countries that I was able to visit or, or visit with pastors across the Middle East. I'm not able to tell all those stories because they're actually serving in really dangerous places. Um, but I am, as Mark said, able to tell you about uh, the country of Lebanon, particularly the church in Beirut. So about a week ago, um, actually a week ago today, I was sitting in their, the Beirut Church of the Nazarene a Sunday service. Um, they're located in Ashrafia neighborhood, which, which literally means the high place because it sits on a hill looking over the Mediterranean Sea. I don't speak Arabic. I don't read Arabic. And so worship really for me was just listening 
and maybe tapping my toe. Um, but I heard, I did hear a few familiar words that I had learned while I was in this area. And one of them was salam. I heard them singing this word salam over and over again, which means peace. And then I also heard another word uh, that was shukaran. And I heard the gratitude. This means thanks. It's giving thanks to God. I heard them give thanks to God. In a place in an area that has been plagued by war off and on for decades and is currently experiencing an economic and political crisis that is nearly collapsing the country, it was amazing to hear these new friends of mine seeing of the peace that Christ gives them and to thank God for what he is doing in their lives. And it's in this posture that the church in Beirut has actually been able to blossom and grow. Last Monday, I walked the streets of Ashrafia neighborhood, visiting the various ministries that the Church of the Nazarene has throughout the neighborhood and that they've been establishing for the past 10 years. Pastor Andrew, who was Lebanese, shared with me that the first program was birthed out of the Syrian refugee crisis. The church realized that the children who had fled the crisis in Syria were not able to actually attend school in Lebanon. And so they started an after-school program and began educating Syrian refugee children. Out of that came the hot food feeding program as they learned that the children were not getting sufficient nutrition. And then that grew into the agape table which now serves the neighborhood, serves many different people who are food insecure, but then also operates as a restaurant for those who can pay. Soon after the church started a mini market that employs Iraqi and Syrian refugees, providing food vouchers for 50 families a month who need extra help with food, offering goods to the neighborhood also at a reduced cost. As they came to know their neighbors, they realized more significantly the needs and were able to develop ministries around these needs. And so similar to the mini market purpose, they opened a clothing store and then a sewing school for Syrian refugee women. Additionally, the church runs a community center, offering a space for the community to gather, drink Turkish coffee, chat, read books, and play ping pong. Out of these ministries, a Syrian church now meets. It's currently meeting right about now because um, they're eight hours ahead of us. And there are over 300 members of this church, and they're using the Beirut Church of the Nazarene space. The Beirut Church of the Nazarene has always had its ear to the ground, listening and discerning where God is calling them to minister. So it was no surprise that the Balasan Nazarene Clinic, their newest ministry, was started after the port blast that happened in August of 2020 that devastated this community and many other parts of the city. Just days after the blast, the church began to respond by setting up a makeshift clinic to treat people as the hospitals were overflowing with the wounded or could not treat people because they, because their building, their structure, had been devastated by this explosion. Now the clinic is fully established, treating people five days a week with a variety of services. And right now, it's basically the only way some of these people are able to be treated. We're able to get into a hospital because of this clinic, as the country is just hanging on by a thread and the health care system is in shambles. In the miracle we heard today about Lazarus, what struck me is, yes, that a man was raised from the dead, but also that Jesus wept. 
Jesus feels the pain and suffering of his friends. He's present in their suffering, and he's present in our suffering. And a God who is present with us and in us calls us to suffer with those, with our neighbors, with our community, with those we don't even know. He calls us to be faithfully present with them. We are called to be a faithfully present church. So as I walked the streets visiting these ministries just a few days ago, I was moved by the faithful presence of the church in Beirut. This is a church that is rooted in their community. They're engaging in all parts of life. And they're walking alongside those who are suffering, offering healing not only for their souls, but for their bodies as well in the name of Christ. In Jeremiah, the prophet writes to those in exile, and he says this, But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For it is in, it is in their welfare that you will find your welfare. This is the call that the Church of the Nazarene in Beirut has been answering. And I believe it's the, church, it's, it's the call that our church here in Bentonville has also been answering. When we seek transformation of our own communities, we ourselves are transformed. And without the World Evangelism Fund, churches like Beirut and others that I've visited in the Congo and other places that I can't mention would not be present. Because of the World Evangelism Fund, communities just like Ashrafia are being transformed. Thank you. What an awesome opportunity we have as, as being part of a connectional church. We're able to partner with churches all around the world to see those kinds of things happen. Eleven years ago, we formed a partnership with uh, the El Factor Church of the Nazarene in the Dominican Republic. Here are some images from our 2018 trip. And if the Lord wills it, we hope to return there. And so every year as part of the GO initiative, we include some, some funds to set aside uh, for a project at a future date. Uh, four years ago, we were introduced to a ministry called Go on the Mission, and they began a school in Senegal called the Bethesda School. It was a pretty amazing ministry because it went into a community, saw a need, a lack of education, and began offering high-level, world-class education for children. Uh, and this was a, a heavily, pop, this area, area was predominantly Muslim. And this church went in and began to offer uh, education uh, specifically from a Christian perspective. And so lots of families in the community uh, who were Muslim began sending their kids uh, to this Christian school. And these children were hearing the story of Jesus uh, from, from a Christian perspective for the first time. And so Carrie and Jeff Honeycutt introduced us to this work at Bethesda School, and we've supported it over the last few years. Carrie recently was able to go to Senegal and to see some of the fruit of our investment. And she's going to come now and share more about God's work in Senegal. So would you welcome her? Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. So I have definitely some exciting news. 
um, in the way that God is working in Senegal and at Bethesda School and where some of this money from the GO initiative has been going over the past four years. So if we go to the next slide. You can see um, the, the last two projects that you guys have been involved in through your contributions have been um, to build an expansion, two expansion areas to the school. One was the library IT area, and the second was the, a new preschool wing and administration building. So what you see on the top row is the preschool administration building now and one of the administrators smiling from his new desk. And then the bottom row, you see the IT library room. So um, when, we, when we came to visit them, the one of the purposes of this trip was to um, celebrate with them and cut the ribbon to open both of these areas of the school. And they welcomed us with huge smiles. They're Preschoolers came out in the parking lot where we came out of our van. They held our hands and walked us into the courtyard of the school. And they had the kids set up in one area, and the other area was full of community members, whether it was parents or even um, the Islamic leader of their community showed up as well. And they put together a presentation for us and just thanking us for this work and this partnership and focused on the education that it was giving their, their children and their kids in that community. And um, the Islamic leader also went up there and spoke and thanked us. And then we had the opportunity also to share with them and to pray with them and to tell them this is God and this is God's work and he's going to continue to bless this work and grow this school. So um, I just want to emphasize that in that this truly is a miracle of God in this school, in this area, and how he is expanding it. And so um, even, well, the, the start of this school was about a little over 10 years ago, and it started with just the headmaster and his two kids. And at that time, the community was laughing, saying, this is not a school with you and your two kids. Like, what are you trying to do here? And then when we got involved in 2014, it had grown, and there were 90, about 92 students at that time. And since then, this last trip, there were now 270 students in attendance. And God is continuing to put these big, these big goals and these big expansion projects in place so that more and more students can attend. So that is super exciting, huge growth, huge miracles in what God is doing. And the next big prayer and big goal is to build a secondary school. And so that will house seventh through 10th grade. It really take the kids to the end of their education there so that then they can either go to a trade school or go to college. Um, and just think of, once they have that building, how many more kids can be in attendance and how much more growth that will bring. And that many more kids being able to hear about Jesus and the Word of God. And it's not about necessarily their, their fancy computers or all of the things that they have there, but 
what God is doing through all of that mm. and that they are all talking already about something different is happening here. Something different is going on. And we're there to say, yes, it's, it's our big God and he has big plans for you and your community. So thank you, thank you, thank you, all of you for being part of this and for being part of God's great, amazing work in this area. That's all right. I'm going to put it over here. How amazing. How amazing. And, and that's why we're reading the story of, of Lazarus today. It's that kind of miracle where people say, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? But you hear this report from Lauren. You hear this report from Carrie. And, and people in the community are doing things that they normally would not be able to do. But because God is at work, because light and life are showing up when the people of God step into those situations, uh, good things are happening. And so the Go Initiative is focused on these global projects, but we learn from our global partners. We learn from what the church is doing in Lebanon. We learn from what the church is doing in Senegal, and we say, you know, that shouldn't be something that they do. That should be something that we do too. We have a similar call. And so we also are, are focused on initiatives that are, are local in nature. And so for a number of years, we've had a partnership with Old High Middle School. We provided snack packs for them uh, several years ago, or I'm sorry, last year in memory and honor of Vic Turnage. Um, we started the Turnage Welcome Home Fund. Vic worked as a bus driver for a number of years with Bentonville Public Schools. And now we're working with the Bentonville Public School social work team to identify families who need to be housed. They're experiencing homelessness. And many of you gave in memory and honor of Vic, and we have resources to do that. And so we're continuing to support that through the GO Initiative. The GO Initiative funds several different community partnerships. I think of the projects we do in the summer, uh, the Thanksgiving boxes that we do um, uh, during the holiday time, uh, and many, many more things. This past summer, we did a project with our friends down in Springdale, the Vida Abundante Church of the Nazarene. They have an amazing ministry there in Springdale, and we worked with them to do a back-to-school event and give shoes out to uh, people in their neighborhood. And so I want to show you a video uh, from that day and show you what local community partnerships look like for us.
You did that. You showed up. You served. You blessed people. You supported the world. Uh, you supported the Go Initiative, and uh, it was just an awesome day. So that's just one example of the kinds of partnerships and relationships we're wanting to create in our community, so that lives are enriched and so that our community flourishes. So the centerpiece we're making a change this year in how we um, administer and create partnerships and manage those. Um, the community table is a new ministry that sort of has a long history. Um, so, so during the pandemic, our, our food ministry uh, that operated out of the uh, Compassionate Ministry Center, um, we had to pause that for a while. And, uh, and so we, we took advantage of that time to evaluate the ministry and to think about what it would look like or should look like in the future. And so, as many of you know, God did a number of miracles, and now we have this relationship uh, with the developers that are allowing us to use this parking garage. They also included ministry space uh, along A Street and the alley between the parking garage and the neighborhood market. So we have uh, 6,000 square feet of ministry space there, uh, and 2,000 square feet of that is going to be the new uh, sent, uh, the new ministry we're calling the Community Table. We, it began as our church food pantry, and then we called it the uh, Compassionate Ministry Center, and then we called it the Community Ministry Center. And, uh, and as we relaunch it in the, in the next few weeks, we're, we're calling it the Community Table. What we want the Community Table to be is a place of hospitality. I want to go back and show you some of the, the changes that we're making to it. First of all, it's going to be the only food ministry of its kind in Bentonville where people come in and they make their own food choices. They're empowered to choose the things that they want for their family. We also heard from the community that said, you know, we really need you to stay open longer. We need extended hours. And so we're going to be open from 10 to 1, and then we're going to reopen from 4 to 6 every Monday. And then SNAP benefits usually run out towards the end of the month for a lot of families. And so every third Friday, we're going to be open from 4 to 6 p.m. And we believe this will help accommodate working families uh, better. 
Uh, and so um, there's also a, a grant that we received that provides fresh fruits and vegetables. And so we're super excited to be a distribution point um, for that. So that is sort of the, the new look of our food ministry. That's what the community table is all about. And, and, and as I think about this summer, we're going to celebrate 100 years as a church. We're gonna, what an amazing feat to, to get to a centennial and to be as vibrant and alive as we are as a congregation. I think about the legacy of this ministry. This ministry was began by two ladies named Lavina Lambert and Mary Coleman, and they just had a heart for people in our community. And, uh, and then a gentleman named Claude Yates took over this ministry, did an amazing job with it. Uh, Amy Vernon led this ministry for a long time. Uh, for the last few years, Sarah Pigo has been leading this ministry. And these are God-called people, people filled with God's Holy Spirit that God has used in amazing ways. And I'm thankful for them. And would you just show your appreciation to them and let's honor them? Yeah. And so all those people have served completely as a volunteer. And as we think about moving into this new space and the kind of ministry that it has the potential to be, our leadership team said, you know what, we really need a staff person. We really need somebody who can, who can give lots of time and attention to the community table. And so a huge piece, a huge piece of the GO initiative this year is a part-time salary. Uh, we would love to add someone to our team called the Community Partnerships Coordinator. So primarily, they're going to oversee the operations of the community table and get this kind of new look, this new food ministry off the ground and, and going. Um, but also, they're going to manage and create other partnerships and other relationships. Uh, and then we're going to ask them to design outreach opportunities, things that will help us get plugged into what God is doing in the community. So you see that event that we did at uh, Vida Abundante, that kind of event, that kind of service opportunity. We want them designing those things and helping us move from, from a, a place where, man, I sure would like to help people. That community ministry coordinator would say, okay, here's how you can do it. Let me, let me equip you to do that. And why would we make an investment like this? Because people make the difference. We have found that to be true so many times in the life of our church where we've said, you know what, we really need to invest in personnel. We really need to invest in somebody that God has called to lead and, and to release them to do that. And so we've made those investments in our history, and it's always paid dividends. So we believe people make the difference. And so in this year's GO initiative, um, we have a goal that we've never had before. This, this is the largest goal that we've ever had. Um, it's a huge vision um, to see all of these things happen, but I firmly believe, and our leadership firmly believes, that this is what God is calling us to do. So there's the total goal of $105,000, and you see how that's broken up. Uh, a large portion of that for global mission, about half of that for global mission, and then about half of that for local mission. And that uh, salary is there at the top under the local mission bucket. And then in community table operations, that's the Welcome Home Fund. That's all of our community partnerships. That's the operation of the community table, the snack pack program. Um, all of that kind of goes into that budget that the coordinator would manage. 
So this is um, the 2022-2023 GO initiative. And friends, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit would move your heart to participate. That, that this would be something that you would make at the top of your prayer list. When you think about praying for our community and praying for our church, that you would immediately pray for these things, that you would pray for this coordinator, that you would pray for what God is doing in Senegal and, and around the world through the World Evangelism Fund. I pray, first of all, that you would be moved to support this with your prayers. But I also know that God has blessed all of us. And, and I pray that you would live with open hands in such a way that maybe today you would say, you know what? I'm going to live with open hands. God has given me resources. He's given me the ability to invest in these things. These things are worthy of my investment. This is an investment in eternity. And I want to participate. And I want to, I want to be a part of what God is doing. And so an easy way to do that is to, to I want you to see that card that's, that's near your seat. Maybe you got one in the mail this week. We sent those out to our mailing list. But this card just says, understanding that we live with open hands, we want to invest in ministries that extend life-giving community to our world. As we place hope in God to provide, our family will give above and beyond our regular support to the GO initiative in the amount indicated below for one year. And there's a space there where you can, uh, you can decide um, what your family will do this year, what the Lord is leading you to do.